Well, great. Happy New Year. I'll say it again. We, we were together last week, but some of you weren't here because, you know, you, you know, you had those parties that you went to. So, so we're glad that you're here today. And, uh, this is the start of a new year. Want to let you know what, what we're doing here over these next few weeks. Now, I've decided that, um, I decided actually quite a while ago, but that we would do, um, just a three-part mini-series here at the start of the year. Uh, of, of, of looking back, uh, to what, where we've been, especially over the last few years, a realistic retrospective. Uh, and then next week, uh, looking within kind of a sober assessment, a state of the church kind of, uh, kind of, uh, presentation. And then on the third week, uh, two weeks from today, looking forward, a visionary view of some of the things that we think God is putting in front of us as a church. And I uh, hope that you'll be here for these because uh, this is really kind of family hour for the next few weeks. And uh, this is about us and about God and about his plan and purpose for us as a church. And then we're going to get back to Acts, which we uh, departed from for Christmas and uh, my estimation is that we're going to finish Acts uh, the end of June. So we got a ways to go yet, um, but uh, but that's that's kind of my my best uh, my my best projection is that we'll be we'll be finishing that the end of June. Well, uh, this morning, looking back, um, what I hope will be a realistic retrospective. And again, as I mentioned over the last, especially over the last few years of our life together as a church. And uh, so to get at that this morning, I'd like just to read Psalm 124, 1 through 8. Would you stand with me? And let's read this out loud together. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, Then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. This is God's word. You may be seated. If it had not been the Lord, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Psalm 124 is uh, one of a collection of 11 psalms, uh, specifically Psalms 120 through 130, uh, each of which has preceded by the label, A Song of Ascents. A Song of Ascents. What does that mean? The, the songs of ascent were sung by Jewish pilgrims uh, who would ascend or, or go up to Jerusalem for the various feasts that were celebrated throughout the year. You may be aware that to go up to Jerusalem or to go to Jerusalem to Mount Zion from nearly anywhere and everywhere in the eastern Mediterranean region uh, was both geographically and figuratively to go up. Um, 
if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you know that uh, from anywhere else to there is a climb. So the pilgrims would have sung these songs together uh, along the way. And you can imagine just a, a group of people, happy people, going up to a festival, singing together. Uh, the psalm is, is attributed to David as its author. And, and this psalm calls to mind an occasion, uh, perhaps multiple occasions. It may be a composite kind of psalm when the nation of Israel was under siege or under attack from a foreign enemy, when, when the odds were stacked against Israel's survival, when, when they were vulnerable, when they were outnumbered, uh, when they were outgunned, when all the indicators pointed to their inevitable defeat and destruction, when all would have been lost. And only one thing, only one dynamic, only one person stood between Israel and their enemies, the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Twice in the first two verses, David calls Israel to a realistic retrospective. He he begins by calling all Israel to consider a hypothetical circumstance. Specifically, what might the outcomes have been had the Lord not been on their side in that circumstance or in those circumstances when they faced the prospect of destruction? And in fact, he warns them, he wants them rather to speak it out loud along with him. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us. An interesting note here is that in Hebrew, the phrase had been on our side is the past tense of the word Emmanuel, the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The name given to the child born of the virgin in Isaiah's prophecy, chapter 7, verse 14. That is to say, if the Lord had not been with us, with us, really with us, and really for us. And of course, it's purely hypothetical because God's word reminds us over and over again that God never stops being with us. Amen? He just never stops. He's promised his abiding presence with us, his power in us, his power for us. And David goes on and, and describes the inevitable outcomes had the Lord not been with them, had he not attended them with his presence and power, with, with the imagery of being overcome by a rain-swollen stream, being, being swept away in an overpowering flood, being drowned and buried by the torrential flow of a raging river. It's an image of complete helplessness, of utter destruction. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. 
As all Israel responds to David's call then, the entire community confesses together that the presence and the power of God had been, uh, that had the presence and power of God been withdrawn from them, they would have ceased to exist as a people. And yet again, when we think more deeply and as we examine the word of God and get to know his promises, we we can't even speak today. We realize that the if in verses 1 and 2 cannot even be an if. You hear me? The if in 1 and 2 cannot be an if. It's, it's never, never a matter of uncertainty whether the Lord will be on our side or not. As God the Father promised his presence to Israel, so God the Son promised that he would never leave us or forsake us, that he would be with us and in us to the very end of the age. And his Holy Spirit comes not just to us, as under the old covenant, but the Holy Spirit comes into us, takes up residence, sets up housekeeping. And his love and his uh, presence never fail, never gives up, never runs out on us, always faithful. And so in the second half of the psalm, David, the psalmist, says, Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Notice that. He he has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And you know, sometimes it's only in retrospect that we're able to perceive the extent of the threat from which God has delivered us. We may look back at an, an illness an injury, perhaps an auto accident. And we realize how close our brush with death actually was. It can be unnerving at first when we think about what might have been had God not delivered us. But then it becomes at the last an occasion for praise and thanksgiving, doesn't it? I mean, there's that initial moment where you say, whoa, whoa. But, but by the Spirit and by faith, we, 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 we reflect and we say, God was with me. God delivered me. If he had been done with me, (laughs) I wouldn't still be standing here. And it seems like, That's the kind of reflection David is engaging in there in verses 6 to 8 as he blesses the Lord and describes the nature of his deliverance with two more very vivid images. If the image of the flood wasn't enough for you, the first image is of being delivered from their enemies, represented as a beast in whose jaws Israel might have experienced the slower agonies of defeat being ripped, being torn, 
and then slowly and thoroughly ground between the teeth of the beast. But Israel was able to say, Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. The second image David calls to mind is that of the rescue, the the deliverance of a bird from a snare, in which it has become trapped and from which it is helpless to escape. And so it trembles, trembles, flutters, it expresses its fear, its displeasure. But because the Lord was on their side, Israel was able to say, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Blessed be the Lord. And then the psalm just closes with with these words of confident faith. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And you know, if, if God can create the heavens and the earth, and, and by faith we affirm that that is true, what makes us think that he is powerless to deliver us from our enemies? What, what makes us think that he is powerless to deliver us from the one enemy of our soul? What makes us think that he is powerless to deliver from anything and anyone. It seems to me that Psalm 124 provides us with a way of thinking about our experiences as a church during these past few years. So if you will, think back with me three years in the life of our church. In June of 2019, we made the harebrained decision to buy this campus. Um, at the time, this place was in pretty rough shape. You might not think it's particularly attractive now. It was worse then. And so we started the long process of remodeling this building and making other upgrades to the, to the campus while continuing to meet on Sundays at Timberline High School. How many of you were here when we were meeting at Timberline High School? How many of you weren't here when we were meeting at Timberline High School? Yeah. Thank you. At the end of January 2020, uh, the Center for Disease Control, you remember, declared the novel coronavirus a national emergency for the very first time. On February 24th of 2020, the first death attributed to the coronavirus was recorded here in the state of Washington. Uh, And then there were several uh, of those initial deaths at a care facility up in Kirkland. You may recall that. Just a couple of weeks later, on March 11th, 2020, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 or the coronavirus to be a global pandemic. It all happened rather fast. That week, at the urging of our local and state public health authorities, we made the decision here at LifePoint to shut down our in-person 
worship services. None of us had any experience with something like this, and we were told at the time that the shutdowns would be just a matter of weeks or months. You remember that? And we were encouraged to flatten the curve, that is, take the pressure off off of the hospitals by, by just shutting down, social distancing. It'll just be a matter of weeks or months. Turned out to be years. On Friday the 13th of March, I received a call from Principal Paul Dean indicating that schools across Thurston County would close starting that next Monday, March 16th, so that effective immediately we could no longer meet at Timberline High School. And again, at the time, the the directive given by the district indicated the closure would only last through April 24th. I went back and and checked those records. Uh, Again, in a collective action to prevent the spread of COVID. Interestingly, the timing in that sense was perfect for us because we were kind of done meeting at Timberline. We we had this space. um, Everything was shut down anyway. We anticipated that on the other side of the shutdown, we would be able to move into this building. As it turned out, the shutdown of our in-person worship gatherings continued through August 2nd of that year, 2020. And initially, Pastor Evan and I met over in the duplex, and we recorded audio sermons. That's all we had. We didn't have any other technology uh, for that purpose. And eventually, then, we were able to begin recording videos, and I got used to preaching to a camera and an empty room. Actually, I never really got used to that at all, but that was weird. You know, as pastors and elders, we we felt strongly that we needed to get back to in-person services as soon as possible. So in August 2020, warm weather allowed us to do that out there on the lawn for five, count them, five weeks until, and some of you will remember this as well, the, the air quality deteriorated to unhealthy levels due to forest fires that were just blazing all around us. And we shut down again for another two Sundays. But by September 27th of 2020, enough remodeling had been accomplished that we were able to move in here for our first in-person services in the building. But again, some of you will remember this, being indoors required social distancing, required masking, so that those who had the courage to come to church had to sit in family clusters. There's a little group here, a little group back there, and there, and there, and there. Uh, each, Each of those clusters had to have at least six feet between them. You all had to sign up in advance to uh, to attend church so that seating needs could be anticipated. We could set up each service accordingly. Uh, big boxes of masks were available at the door. Uh, chairs and doorknobs and bathroom fixtures were disinfected between services. And you know, there, there were some people, you remember this, uh, objected so strongly to the requirement of masking that they left the church and they haven't come back. Some left loudly 
Uh, Some left silently and without warning. They just quit coming. Others decided to stay home indefinitely. Some of some of them felt increasingly isolated and lonely and uncared for by the church during the pandemic. Uh, some of them have not returned. And as time went on, many of us came down with the COVID-19 virus. Uh, for some of us, COVID-19 brought about the deaths of family members uh, and friends. Uh, many who continued to follow our services online decided that worshiping from the sofa was was pretty convenient. And some of them have returned, but not all. And still we prayed, and we persisted for the next two years. 2022 also saw some staffing changes here at LifePoint. Saying goodbye to staff members whom we love is never easy. Um, it's never something we hope to do. And it was inevitable that some would leave the church because they didn't understand or didn't support those very difficult decisions. Giving to LifePoint Church continued strong through the pandemic, but in 2022, giving began to decline. One of the dynamics at present is that post-COVID, it has become more difficult than ever to enlist volunteers for our ministries. And, you know, looking beyond LifePoint, it becomes clear that we're not alone. In fact, many of these same trends are reflected nationally. According to data collected by the Barna Research Group, one in three practicing Christians dropped out of church completely during COVID-19. So one, an entire one-third of the American church dropped out permanently. According to the American Family Survey, religious attendance overall has declined significantly in the past few years. Only a quarter of the American public reports that they attend church regularly, 25%. That's why the streets are so clear on Sunday mornings around here. The percentage of Americans who have never attended religious services or seldom do so increased dramatically. According to Gallup, in 2020, church membership in the U.S. dropped below 50% for the very first time in history. It seems that although church members have generally been willing to give their money to the church during the pandemic, they're not willing to keep volunteering. Uh, Surveyed congregations reported that only 15% of regularly participating adults now are volunteering compared to 40% before the pandemic. No surprise then that that a record number of churches across the country have closed their doors permanently as a result of the pandemic, and pastors are retiring or simply resigning in unprecedented numbers. As the realization grew that the pandemic was not going to be weeks or months in duration, but years, I began to hear Christian leaders say that uh, we were in a watershed moment, that there would be no going back to the way things were before COVID. 
And honestly, I didn't believe them at the time. I'm ever the optimist. But here on what I hope is the other side of the pandemic, I have to say that I now agree with them. The new normal is not the same as the old normal, whether in the church or in the country, Uh, whether in our individual lives or our marriages and families, in our nation, in our church, nothing is the same. Now, all of that may sound very grim, and I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer or a negative Nancy this morning. But I told you that I was hoping to bring a realistic retrospective, and parts of that retrospective, especially in this moment in time, are unavoidably discouraging. See, my point in in laying all of this out is simply to acknowledge that that there has been a, a number of dynamics at play over the past three years that held the potential to cause us as a church to fold. It's not inappropriate or extreme or melodramatic to say that Satan has had a field day in many churches, even ours, over the past few years. He is the thief, Jesus said, who comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. So we should say, let all Israel say, let all of Life Point Church say, if it were not the Lord who was on our side, things could have been even more disastrous. But we should also say together, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We've escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Some really wonderful things have happened through these past few years as well. As I mentioned earlier, it was, it was right before COVID hit. That was scary. That was scary that, that God gave us this campus. And I remember thinking and praying, God, God, don't let us miss a mortgage payment. Don't let us default on this property which was exactly what the church that we bought it from had done. They, they, they had got in, gotten in way over their heads. And it's been during the pandemic that most of our remodeling has been done. And aren't the results beautiful? Yes. They are. Especially if you'd seen it beforehand. God's given us our own place from which to reach out to our community and to our world and in order to help people find and follow Jesus. I read years ago of a missionary to Africa who prayed, God, give us a place to stand and we'll change the world. Give us a place to stand and we'll change the world. God has given us here at LifePoint this place to stand and from which to minister. And although many have left LifePoint over the past two years for various reasons, God has also brought many of you sitting here this morning to our church during that same time period. I remember the day that Kyle and Katie walked through our doors. I'd never seen them before. And, and I always ask people, you know, how, how did you find us? 
why, why'd you choose to come to Life Point? And they said, well, we were just looking for a church that was having in-person services. And you stayed. Thank you. And while our attendance has not not yet reached pre-COVID levels, uh, new people are coming through our doors every week. We're growing again. God is restoring us and rebuilding us. Many of you have been very faithful in your giving to the Lord through LifePoint. I've been genuinely surprised as month after month our giving remains strong through the pandemic. And as I mentioned, giving has dropped off significantly over the past several months. But again, we have not missed a mortgage payment. We've paid all of our bills. We've actually been able to substantially help members of our church family who were in need. And and not one of our staff members has missed a paycheck. God has been faithful. And, and so many of you have served well and served faithfully over these years and some have served in ways that are over and above expectations and I'd like to recognize some of those people this morning and though it would be impossible to recognize everyone who has served faithfully um, I'd like to recognize by name several who in their own ways have distinguished themselves in their service and who are I would just ask you to 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 embrace as representative of all of us, of the many who serve. And let's begin with our elders. Uh, first of all, Abioden and Kenny Faliki, our, our newest elder and his wife. So thankful for them and the ways that they are serving. Bill and Deb Marchant. Uh, if you know Bill and Deb, you know that they're, they're everywhere. Any, any given day of the week, they're somewhere serving somebody in this church in practical ways. Uh, Greg and Connie Volkart, uh, uh, again, to know them is to know that they're, they just, not only, not only do they do their, does Greg do his job as an elder, but he just pastors so many of us, shepherds us. So thankful for him. Uh, and then I'm going to include Freddie and Robin Williams. Um, they're, they've moved to Idaho to be closer to their kids as they're getting older. Um, but, um, Man, when they were here among us, uh, they served well and powerfully. And, and, and I think what I remember most about Freddie and Robin is, is how they loved us and just, just lovers. And then to our LifePoint Church staff, uh, Evan and Cindy Appleby, uh, so thankful for them. Um, Evan's starting to look a lot like ZZ Top, but, uh, <laughs> But we love him anyway. Um, we appreciate them. Uh, Evan, you may not know this, Evan not only is our worship pastor, but he's also taken on a lot of the administration um, here at LifePoint, for which I am uniquely not gifted. And uh, so thankful for him doing all of that. Kathy Pruitt um, is uh, our administrative assistant. Uh, and uh, when she came on our staff, how long has it been? A year and a half, two years ago? Um, she just elevated everybody almost instantaneously and uh, just contributes in a variety of ways. The, the beautiful decor that we had here during Christmas, that was her work, and uh, just thankful for her. Emily 
Dean just joined our staff recently, part-time, as director of children's ministries, and she is doing a bang-up job. And uh, just really, really thankful that, that for the timing of that and for the gifts that God has invested in her uh, that, I, that I think she is discovering as we are discovering them with her. And, and uh, so thankful for Emily and for her husband, Aaron, who serves in a variety of ways here around the campus. Um, I'm going to include myself, but mostly uh, Marcy, my wife, uh, who serves alongside of me and sacrifices a great deal. You know, uh, most people never see the sacrifices that pastors' wives make. And uh, so I, I ask you to honor uh, our pastors' wives and, uh, and, and, and just encourage them, pray for them, bless them, uh, tell them what great guys they married, things like that. <laughs> and then I also want to recognize Steve Smith, Um, Steve, would you just stand where you are? Um, You know, if there's one person, uh, I mean, I just love everybody on our staff, but if there's one person that I'm supremely thankful for, it's this man. And uh, Steve is our... um, You can sit down now if you want. You're turning red. Um, (laughs) Steve is our custodian, and you wore a tie today. It's possible. It's possible. It's it's a rare species in this church. Um, but but Steve, if, if you could see the ways that Steve serves, over and above the hours that we pay him for, uh, you'd just be amazed. And and one of the things I love about this man is that Jesus is just all over him, and he is probably our best ambassador to our neighborhood. And he's just always engaging people uh, that come on our campus and and those who live close by. And so, so thankful for you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and then I'm going to go to our volunteers. And uh, these are all alphabetical. So I'm beginning with Cindy Appleby. Um, over this past several months, um, as our pastor of children's ministry left us, Cindy Appleby dove into our children's ministry and uh, and served there faithfully and kind of floated the boat when it needed floating. Um, and she's also been building our, our youth ministry. And now that Emily is on board as our director of children's ministry, Cindy's going back over to the youth ministry and, and serving there and assisting Casey Biggs in that ministry. And so second on that list is Casey Biggs. Um, Casey has served well and faithfully, sacrificially in our youth ministry over these last, um, over the last year or more. Thankful for her. Mark Brinkman also uh, is one who has uh, really slugged it out in our youth ministry. And we're thankful for Mark and Dana and their family and the investment they've made here. Then John and Nancy Davis, uh, John was our project manager on the remodel here on the campus. Um, talk about timing and giftedness. God brought him at the right time with the right set of gifts. And you all know that Nancy has fed us all well and uh, and uh, great event planner. We're thankful for her. 
Uh, and then Bruce and Susan Ensign. Bruce and Susan are relatively relatively new to LifePoint. They're old friends of mine. Um, thankful for them. Uh, Bruce has, um, on weekdays, especially through the summer and fall, was here um, just beautifying our campus and doing a lot, a lot of work in a lot of areas that that have upgraded this, at least the look of this facility and also its functionality. And they're also beginning work, and you're going to be hearing about this in coming weeks, um, they're beginning work on developing a strategy for adult discipleship here at LifePoint. And so we're excited about those possibilities. Uh, and then Jim and Sherry Gallagher, and, uh, and again, this is dicey to say, but if there was such a thing, I would, I would nominate them for Volunteers of the Year. Um, yeah. You know, Jim and Sherry um, are often at the door greeting, uh, but they also come through the through the warmer months. They're here every week, uh, mowing, uh, weeding, pruning, cleaning up. Uh, so thankful for them. Um, also, led our, have been leading our prayer ministry. Here at LifePoint, faithful every week. Even sometimes they're the only two that come to pray. Um, but they're there and, and they're praying. Um, and then I, I, I know of and I hear of uh, ways that Jim and Sherry minister to people uh, also during the week in, in practical ways, in ways of listening and caring and being present. And uh, just an amazing couple. Thankful for them. Then I would add to this list Mara Gunn. Um, Mara uh, took over our coffee ministry. You know, if, if Mara had not been on our side, uh, <laughs> we'd be half asleep most of the time. So we're thankful for her. Mara has also taken the reins of uh, a new effort in congregational care and is uh, laying some groundwork in those areas. And so we're thankful for her. Uh, and then Beth Hanna. Uh, Beth isn't uh, noticed very often. She likes it that way. Uh, Beth's very quiet. But Beth has been steady and consistent and dependable in our children's ministry in a way you can't imagine. And uh, just an extremely hard, hard worker. So thankful for her. And then Marty Leopold, he's going to hate me for this, but um, for even having his name up there, he's going to hate me. Uh, but Marty serves in our tech ministry, very again, very dependably and very faithfully and very consistently. Never have to wonder if Marty's going to be around because he's always here. And so thankful for him. He, he's going to tell me I'm stealing his blessing. I, I know, I know that that's going to be the line. But he comes during the week and does cleaning here in the building just just because because he wants to, and and so thankful for him. Bill and Colleen Mikesell um, are are head our greeters ministry, um, and again they're a couple that that not only do their their practical titled job here at LifePoint, but they encourage people. They have this great ministry of encouragement. And uh, I just hear little peeps every now and then of people he's 
ministered to or is ministering to. And he never tells me about it. He just does it. And, and so awesome. He's done some work with our staff in organizational development, brings those skills. Uh, he has become a tremendous, uh, kind of counselor, confidant for me, a mentor for me, and uh, thankful for that. Katie Myrick, um, many of you know Katie. And again, one who has been extremely consistent in our kids' life ministry, um, also in now leading our backpack ministry uh, to North Thurston schools, also making inroads now to the Olympia schools. And uh, again, thankful for her. Um, Mike Pratt, um, Mike and Carol, Mike, like, um, like Bruce, and along with Bruce, has been here a lot uh, this summer doing maintenance, uh, bringing his skills in carpentry and craftsmanship. And I've got to tell you, there was one day um, not too long ago, it was pouring rain. It was a, an absolutely miserable day. And Bruce Ensign, Mike Pratt, Steve Smith, were, were all out trying to put that tarp on top of that barn in the wind and the rain. And they were here all day. Were you here more than a day for that? You were, weren't you? It was like a day and a half project. Drenched to the skin, but out there working. Uh, so thankful for you guys. Finally, you got coffee and hot dogs. Such a deal. Such as we had for you. Um... And then finally, the Life Point Church Worship Band. Amen? And uh, they are, uh, they're an amazing crew. You know, I was telling Evan the other day, you know, there, there was a time in the life of this church early on when, um, you know, we kind of sweated it out every week, whether we would have musicians or not. <laughs> and uh, Luke Brandon, Lynn's son, was our worship leader at the time, with, along with his wife, Raina. And, uh, but, but there were some Sundays when they were, they were it. And if they got sick, they weren't it. And, uh, we had, we, uh, we just kind of made do. And to have such a, a depth of musicianship now here at LifePoint is, is tremendous. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to end this section with in this way. If you've served in any way in the ministries of LifePoint Church over the past few years, would you please stand? Served in any way. Come on. Come on. Stand up. I think there's more of you. All right, let's give them a hand. Well, before we close this morning, I want to take you to uh, one more passage of Scripture that I think is appropriate to a time like this and to a day like today. It's the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43. I'm not going to read the entire passage or try to preach it. It's just too long. But I want to briefly point out three things, or four things rather, by way of encouragement. Uh, Four words for LifePoint in January 2023, and then I'll be done. First, notice God's promise of His presence in the seasons of adversity that are inevitably, that we inevitably experience in this life. Verses one to three, He says, I will be with you. This is a promise of God. It's a consistent promise of God. It's a repeated promise of God. It's a dependable promise of God. But now thus says the Lord, 
He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, don't you wish that would be if you pass through the waters? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Notice the four. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The guarantee of the promises of his presence in the midst of even extreme adversity, extreme defeat, extreme discouragement, is that he is the Lord our God. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is our Savior. The second word here is remember not the former things. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior, they lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. And if I could just paraphrase that, I would put it this way, don't look back. Don't look back. Don't be looking over your shoulder. Don't allow the difficulties of the past to define your present or your future. The Apostle Paul said that he was pressing on in his life in order to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus had taken hold of him. Have you ever thought about the fact that there was a specific reason that Christ Jesus took hold of you? That he chose you, you didn't choose him. Have you ever considered who it is that God has in mind for you to become? In order to take hold of Christ's plan and purpose for his life, Paul was committed to one thing, one single discipline. Here's how he put it. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Don't look back. Remember Lot's wife, who when... God was evacuating them from Sodom and Gomorrah, said, don't look back, and she did, with disastrous result. So don't look back. Remember not the former things. Press on to what lies ahead. And the third word here in Isaiah 43 is in verse 19, I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. I received a, a newsletter this week from our district uh, executive minister uh, in which he said, you know, we, we don't know what this year is going to bring. None of us do. But we know that, that God is faithful. We know he wants us to love people. And we know he wants us to pray. So let's do those things. Let's do those things. I am doing a new thing. 
It's now it springs forth. I really believe. And here, and I really believe that God is not finished with us as a church. Can I hear an amen? amen. I need to hear an amen. I don't think God's done with us. And a big part of, of the reason that I believe that is that even though during COVID some people left, during the last few years people have left, actually a significant number of people have left. But God has also brought an awful lot of you who are sitting here this morning. So as I look out each Sunday morning from my elevated perch here, I see a whole new congregation. And so I think God has absolutely new things in mind for us. He has new plans and purposes. And and if we will uh, hold on, if we will persevere, if we will persist, if we will endure, then then he will show us those things uh, as as the days go forward. And then there's a final question here that I want to bring to your mind. Again, latter part of verse 19 of Isaiah 43, do you not perceive it? Behold, I'm doing it, a new thing, now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And perceiving it is the first step. And I've been honest with you that it, it's it's taken me some time to discern what God specifically had in mind when he moved us here from southeast Lacey to northeast Olympia. And I'll be honest to say that I'm still not 100% clear. But I'll also say that I'm comfortable and confident in the knowledge that God is 100% clear. And he's giving us new direction. He's showing us new opportunities. He's instilling new excitement in us, which, and, and I hope you'll be excited about what you hear about over the next two weeks. I hope you'll be here. See, the real question, once you've perceived what it is that God wants uh, to do, is will you be ready to participate in the new thing that God is doing so that you can share in its blessings? And I hope that you'll, you'll make it a matter of prayer to say, God, I'm willing and I'm ready. Please show me how you want me to participate in the new thing you're going to do in my life and in our church.